Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday. I'm going to say it's May 28th, but, you know, dates don't really matter. <laughs> I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we are absolutely blessed, and I am so excited. One of my favorite people ever in the sport, John Shannon, here with us today. Nick, how are you? I am so good. It's so it's, it's like you're such a you're such a sight for sore eyes. I'm so happy that you could join us. And as you know, for years, I've just like uh, I can't profusely praise you enough when I see you in person. <laughs> I just I think your work is amazing, honestly. Well, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> I thank you for that. Uh, that's a uh, I'm, I'm I didn't expect that, but uh, you know <laughs> we're here to hear we're here to talk about hockey, not to we talk are, about me. But, you know, there you go. Quite you a few are, and and one of the things that I don't think people realize. First of all, before we get into that, how how are you? How's your family? How's everybody doing? Oh, life is good. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I my line uh, and hello to uh, Russ and, uh, and Michael as well. But uh, my uh, my line to everybody is is that uh, uh, this is like semi retirement for me. And the one thing I've learned is I don't like semi retirement. <laughs> <laughs> that is a I think I've heard people say like people are people who are thinking of leaving like maybe retiring a year or two or they're starting to wonder about whether they should do that or not right now. <laughs> it's one of those things I'm not really uh, I'm looking forward to getting back. I, 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 hockey in August is not something that uh, is at the top of my list, but I'm looking forward to get back into something regular. Yeah, yeah. Where are you like where where are you located these days? I live in suburban Toronto, okay. so I, yeah, and uh, not far from uh, you know we're uh, we're kind of a suburb of Mike's big town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're doing uh, we're doing fine here. That's yeah, but, but you're keeping me out of your country, John. So I'm 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 getting I'm getting I'm getting very you know like I need to get back to Canada quickly. Listen, um, there are some there are some positives when it comes to this pandemic. Very <laughs> <laughs> true. All right, let, let me start with this. I, Go ahead, I Mike. I think Gary Bettman and Bill Daly hit a home run with the presentation, the return to play presentation. I think they were smart. They got a lot of positive publicity uh, in the U.S. ESPN was very effusive. They had uh, the New York radio station had Lamorello and John Davidson on, and Bettman was on the morning show there, and they never have hockey guests. So I think it was a home run. I think the smartest thing that they did, was not lock themselves into any specific dates. They're 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 gonna you know this is an ongoing and fluctuating situation, and they I think that that was a smart thing to do. But it seems to me everybody's in under the impression that they did that because they think they they would have to move things forward like the middle of August or September to start things. And I'm gonna be optimistic here, and I want to get your uh, your take on this. I think that they kept kept it flexible because there's a possibility if things are better than expected, they could start in the middle or late July and fill that hole that NBC is looking for because of the Olympics being canceled. What do you think of that? I'm, I'm not sure if uh, cannabis is legal in New York State. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know it's legal for us here. Um, listen, Why do you think I want to get back? <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 timeline they laid out with really no timeline in it yeah. uh, is is pretty straightforward. We're not going to see practices uh, of any sort. I think until the second week of July. Okay. We all know the players have said it's going to take three to four weeks to prepare for a season, if that. Uh, so we are talking about the tenth or fifteenth of August. Okay. Uh, and and. You know, it, it, is it outside the NBC Olympic window? Yeah, but I, I you know, I, I think that all the networks in both countries would welcome the content on the fifteenth of August if there's nothing else. And I think that to go back to your original point about the amount of attention that Gary and Bill got on Tuesday, uh, I think they got it because people are just dying for sports uh, and and dying for the Big Four plus college football. And and for, from my perspective, so they did a very good thing in how they laid it out. I think the doctors deserve a ton of credit oh, for yeah. what they did on Tuesday. Uh, at the same time, yeah. they really didn't tell us something we didn't already know. It was just a, it was a very good PR move yeah. uh, at a time when uh, when I think we all needed one. Absolutely. So, John, we'll, we'll go with your date. Let's say it's August 10th. When do you think the date will be to choose the hub cities like I used to be in the hotel business. We know that with cities opening, 
they're not going to hold rooms forever for the NHL, especially since they've had no business lately. They're probably going to be a little more aggressive than usual. You would have to think, and again, there's a problem with Canada, maybe the quarantine period. You have to think there's got to be a date in their minds where they have to lock down these two hubs. Uh, I suspect it'll probably be before the end of June. Yeah. Um, I mean, hotel vacancies are not very high right now, Russ. <laughs> not um, yet, but they're opening June 1st. <laughs> well, but, you know, I mean, those those cities, if you look at the list of cities, you either are, are dealing with hardcore hockey cities or right. you're dealing with cities that have a ton of hotel rooms. Chicago, right. for instance, for instance, yeah. Los Angeles, for instance. So, I mean, you're either going to get a group of hotels that really want to have hockey players there because they love the game, or they're big enough that they can manage everything. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think I think they'd love to go to Vancouver because I mean I've talked to people about this, and they you know Vancouver basically what they're trying to do is create a little miniature Olympic village. You know they're trying to create that kind of scenario. Vancouver's already done that with the hotels in 2010. Although we know I guess the biggest the biggest thing there is the British Columbian um, the British Columbia 14 day um, quarantine right that's going on right now. Is that what you're hearing as well out there? Well, I mean, that's not, and that's not going to change. Bonnie Henry, who's yeah. the uh, chief medical officer of the province, is not going to change her mind. Uh, yeah. And that's why they've done such a good job with the pandemic really uh, in that part of the world. Uh, between, you know, Alberta and British Columbia have done a, a, a really, really smart thing. I mean, and, and guys, let's, let's, let's look at the other side. Arizona has had more cases today and more deaths today than ever before. So yeah. we're not out of the woodwork yet. We're no. not. We're not. We're not out of this. And and it's great to sit and talk hockey, uh, but it's all pie in the sky right now. It is. Sure. It's very scary, which is why I was saying the other day about this. It's either putting out a logistical thing, which is a very logistical thing, and it's funny for all of us in this world where logistics have sort of vanished from our lives. Like we don't really have to think too much about planning stuff because there's nothing to plan. But um, and this logistical thing that they're doing is sort of set in motion for today where it feels like by the time we get to this point, it's either going to be way better or way worse. Well, I, see, but, but I look at it this way, Eck. Mm -hmm. I mean, the NHL office had nothing to lose by planning. Yeah. I mean, they had nothing else to do. Exactly. I mean, they're like the rest of us. They're like the rest <laughs> right. of us. They're living at home. I mean, we saw Gary's grandson behind. He's living at home, <laughs> yes. man. Yes. And and so they had nothing to do but plan. <laughs> Great plan. And if they had if they had been in a position of canceling the season and then all of a sudden things clear up, they would have looked like fools. Yeah. Never. Now, as things progress, as things progress, they may not be able to execute this plan. But at the same time, if they can, it's done. There's yeah. a good blueprint. The players have bought in to a certain point on the hockey operations side, and now we're going to proceed if we're allowed to. Right. All right. Well, let's be optimistic for a second, and I'm going to ask you something about technology because I know that you were – you've always been – one of the guys I've always heard is John had a great idea about way to film this or videotape this in, in, in games, and you've always, I know, loved that aspect of it. Um, and so let's say things are going well. Now we have an arena full of empty seats, right? And – that offers that's an oxymoron. Eh? I know, isn't it? <laughs> that's like that's like jumbo shrimp. That's exactly that right. jumbo shrimp. Now we have You're a right. bunch of different. Obviously, you know, there's virtual reality, which is, I think is a really interesting option. Smart politician is an oxymoron. Right there, you go. Um, so, but my my other thought is, okay, you're trying to get the uh, fan base going, and you're trying to you're trying to get the players going because the players playing in front of an empty crowd, it, you know, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be it's going to be difficult, different, different for them for sure. Um, my thought today was, you know, there's a way that technologically we could maybe do this. And I wanted to bounce off of you to think what you thought of this um, is, you know, we could have something along the lines of, you know, if fans are tweeting certain things or hashtagging certain things in various social medias, um, we could be increasing the volume for uh, in uh, of a fan thing that's going on in the stadium at the same time, giving the players a chance to like react to what's actually happening real time along with that. You know, I think things like that are the way or they could, you know, open up the phone on the, on the um, NHL app and have it so your voice could actually be heard in the stadium very quietly. But if you have hundreds of thousands of people, it could actually become something where you hear the cheering and stuff like that. Um, you know, the NHL and how they do this kind of stuff. Do you think they're in, you think they would go for that kind of thing or that along those lines? Well, I, I think what you're talking about is complementary to yeah. what, what we're yeah. talking about and complementary to what, uh, what Bill talked about is, uh, as making an international feed and and making yeah. it and using some advances, yeah. uh, I, I think the, the the best thing that the league can do 
and, and you talk about another oxymoron, you know, in Canada, we had a political party for years called the Progressive Conservatives. Um, and, uh, and, and, and hockey on television for as long as I've been alive has been progressively conservative. Because you, you, make, you make constant change. Yeah, but you make them so subtly that nobody really realizes it's changed in the right. next within five years. People think, well, it's always been that way. Right. Um, so this is a chance to get lower. Yeah. And closer to the ice. Yeah. But it also you also have to make sure that you don't compromise the most important thing. And the most important thing is the puck going in the net. Right. And Jim Houston or Doc Emmerich being able to say he shoots, he scores. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah. If you screw those two things up, <laughs> don't don't come back. For sure. So so you have to be able to respect the tradition of the game that way. Yeah. And then on different platforms, because I think this is what you're where you're going. I think this yeah. is multi-platform stuff. And there's no reason why hockey buzz can't be doing this during every game. Right. That that is having complementary platforms to what we're going to watch. This is, it, yeah. it is a great time to have a, a, a two screen experience. Very much yeah. so. Uh, and, but do, do not, do not screw up the right. puck going in the net. Do not screw up me here and the announcers do what announcers are supposed to be doing. And then tell, show me the flow of the game. If you, you can do anything you want, but if you, don't, if you screw those things up, yeah. I, I don't want to watch. Oh, I, I'm with you. And I think that, that that's vitally important. Um, my thinking is just like, is how can we get the players even maybe give a home ice advantage to somebody slightly, like have like, you know, a fan, the certain fan bases, you know, reactions be louder if that's the technical home team that game. Um, just something for the players that I think, because you, the players feed off the fans, you know, and th there's no question that they feed off the fans. I, I know playing is enough for them, but I wonder how much that would help. You know, that's just my thought. I, th I, th I think by when, once you put the blades on, once you put your pads on, once you get the stick going, if you're an elite athlete like these guys, you'll compete as hard as ever, even if yeah. it's in your in your beer league, even if it's in front of empty. It, it, I don't think it yeah. matters to them. Yeah, no, I hear you. Good, Mike. John, uh, hockey fans and hockey media are the best complainers in the world. And I've heard some complaints about the 2014 playoff format. I'm I'm fairly pleased with it, but I can see it from the point of view of Bruins fans or St. Louis fans who are first in the – Eastern and Western Conference and their teams possibly being seated as low as fourth if they lose the play-in round or lose the round robin. And even teams like Edmonton uh, who face Chicago, which I don't think is going to be an easy out with Kane Taves and, and Keith, you know, having three Stanley Cups in their uh, you know, and, and on their uh, you know notches in their belt, and or even Columbus with all their injuries coming back playing Toronto, that's going to be a tough out. I think the league did a fair job. I, I I don't think I think there was no way to please everybody. But what did you think of of the 2014 plan? Anybody that says something negative should just suck it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's the thing: how many people in our country? How many people in your country have lost their jobs? Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 not talking something that's isolated to the game of hockey. We're talking to something that's societal. If we're going to sit and bitch and complain about 24 teams getting into the, yeah. the, the play-ins and the playoffs, come on, get a life. I Enjoy it for what it is. I mean, we're going to see professional athletes play the game again and have some fun and show some emotion and see the puck go in the net. Guys, the, the four of us have lived for this all our adult lives. Yeah. Stop complaining. I, we just, we have to remember, I mean, the NHL knows it and people, this is the entertainment industry and people are desperate for entertainment. They're desperate. They're desperate for that, you know? And the, the other thing is, and, and, and uh, sorry to inter interrupt before yeah. you go, Russ, but the other thing I would tell you is that um, I think the positive about this tournament is that this is going to be the healthiest we're going to yeah. see playoffs yeah. ever. Yeah. You yeah. know yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, Tampa is a hundred percent. I mean, if Steve Stamp, I saw Steve Stamkos this morning on a, uh, on a sea do uh, in in the in Tampa Bay, yeah, yeah, they yeah. must be healthy enough to play again. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean, when you think of all those players, like in Columbus, like yeah. in Tampa, that are 100 yeah. percent healthy, we are going to have at least I think for the first round and a half before injuries kick in, right. we're going to have some great, great athletic challenges of both teams. It's going to be fun to watch. And yeah, and they've been caged animals. 
<laughs> I mean, think about that too. Think about the energy, the, the amount of adrenaline is going to be pumping through them. I mean, they're almost are... as bad as the four of us. So. I know. I don't you want to play. I mean, God, I want to play. Good. Right. No, we, we all want to see it. Um, John, something that is going to happen is the draft lottery. Like that's a certainty. So we could talk about that. The uncertainty of the draft lottery is though, if you're doing the show, I don't know if you were, if you ever got in Canada, the show, the Joker's wild, I used to play in the States and they'd, you know, they would do the wheel and three things would come up. What if three placeholders come up on that live show? That would be a hard show for the studio guys to start now trying to figure out phase two, phase three. Montreal Canadiens now would be faced with, hey, if we lose in the playoffs, we'll have a better chance now to get that top pick than if we did in the regular season would have ended if there wasn't a pandemic. That could be chaos. It was Wink Martindale, right, Russ? Was it Jack Barry? Jack Barry, okay, yeah, because yeah. Jack, Jack Nars, Wink Martindale, and Jack Barry. I used to get the old, old, very old yeah. people don't know what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But did you know that Jack? Did you know that Jack Nars and Wink Martindale are brothers? Did you know? No, that? I didn't know that. There yeah. you go. See, learn something every day. Wow. Um, is, you know, listen, I uh, and I'm not complaining because I think yeah. it's mar marvelous. We're going to have hockey. I would have said if, you know, 24 teams are in the tournament, 24 teams aren't in the lottery, and seven teams are. I would have done it. would have been simple. would have been yeah. easy. Uh, but in fairness, in many ways, what they have to do is they have to give some sort of a, a carrot to those teams who thought they were in the top 16, something if they lose in the playing round. Right. right. Uh, so, in, in you know, it is what it is. Uh, and to me, the the most important day of the draft lottery, and don't laugh, is June twenty seventh. It's the day after, because yeah. then I don't have to worry about figuring it out. Just tell me the tell me the order. You know, does, <laughs> yeah, know. does Pierre Dorian have two picks in the top three? Uh, does Stevie Eiserman have a chance? Does he have number one? And although it, it, that's all I need to know. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, we remember we, I was, and Echo remember this, I was at the league when we started to televise the draft lottery. Yeah. Uh, and, and everybody thought it was a stupid idea. The stupid thing to televise the draft lottery. Now people are saying, how can you not televise the draft lottery? Are you kidding me? Come yeah, on. Isn't it funny? I mean, you never would have thought that people would be complaining about not having the draft lottery on. That was worth watching, you know, and it was it was fun. I mean, I honestly think there were moments like, gosh, when McDavid got there are moments I remember from the draft lottery. When yeah. McDavid gets drafted by Edmonton, his expression. There's like, so much to talk about. Remember his expression? It was like he does not look my wife, who doesn't know much about hockey, said there, that guy does not look happy. I'm like, Yeah, he doesn't look happy. <laughs> we're just dying for content, that's all. Oh, we I know. Are, yeah. For sure. hundred percent. Before I let you go, John, um, oh, I, I, got one, go. I got one quick one. Sure, Mike, you go first. Okay. Thank you. Um, John, tomorrow is the 27th anniversary <laughs> of uh, here we go. the most painful memory in recent Maple Leaf history, that game seven against Gretzky at Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, I believe you were executive producer at Hockey Night in Canada at the time. No, no I wasn't. Oh, okay. I was just uh, that was in, in what I would describe as one of my many hiatuses. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I can only I can only say as a you know as now a media member, but then as a Leaf fan, I have I know and I've talked to many hockey fans that could be the most traumatic Game Seven of any playoff series to any fan base that I know of, and it wasn't oh. a Stanley Cup Final. Hey. You know, first of all, full disclosure is that Eck and I have worked together uh, when I joined the league. Yeah. Mike was Mike was a con when I ran Leafs TV. Mike was the first call on every post game show <laughs> that we ran on the channel, and yep. he couldn't even get the channel. Um, and, and so uh, I find it hard to believe that. That you'd be so myopic on a national platform like Hockey Bars uh, to think about just the Maple Leafs when people in Boston just have never forgiven the Flyers coming back from 3 0 to win the series. And oh, it was who, who was who was that? Who was that? Uh, Simon Gagne, I think. And I thought you were going to bring up the game before with Dougie and the stick. And you know, I mean, 
Carrie well, we, Fraser and you know, ex-buddy Carrie Fraser. You know what I mean? That they, all the, Come on, get over it. Suck it up. Listen, a Leeds fan is a life of trauma. That's what it is. <laughs> well, Leon's pickled. All I have to say is Leon's pickled, Mike. Come on. Maybe man. Vancouver in 2011 when they rioted, when they rioted after the Bruins won in Game 7. Maybe that was. I, I don't know. The only I, thing I'll say about that, the funny thing about that is for everybody else, except for Toronto Maple Leaf fans, we were all pulling for Gretzky. All other hockey fans were like, Gretzky in L.A., this is going to be fun. No, like, it's true. No, you know what? I I, I got to tell you, I, I think the country, I, I think the country was really pulling for a Toronto Montreal Stanley Cup final. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. And that would have been uh, that would have been something. And I'm convinced the Leafs would have beat them, but <laughs> that would have been that really. Of course, you of course you are. But you were <laughs> you were convinced that uh, you know Tuscala with Tuscala was a good goaltender. No. <laughs> No. Nice. Okay. We need to have you on every day, John. Um, <laughs> no, this is fantastic. Um, I just wanted to know what you, uh, you know, we've got 24 teams going in here and I want a prediction. I, you know, I, I hate it. I know everybody hates it, but you don't have to tell me who you think is going to win, but tell me who you think is going to be the biggest surprise. Like what team is, is going to be the story? Is there going to be a team that's suddenly the story? Well, I, I mean, I don't mind making a prediction because yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick with the ones that I said all along. I think we're right. going to have a rematch of the Stanley Cup final. I think we're yeah. going to have Boston versus St. Louis. Uh, yeah. You know, and the, the question for me is, of the younger teams, uh, what 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 team with young legs can make a difference? Can that be Arizona? Yeah. Can that be Edmonton? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, th those are those are situations that you have to uh, you have to wonder about. Um, I. Oh, I, I Colorado, yeah, but I—I I mean, I Colorado. I, I the fact that they have a bye, I—I I think it's—I think it has to be a play-in team that yeah, is going to be that be a difference maker. I'm not. So, I was just talking about the young legs, but yeah, yeah I'm not playing right. to Russ here. But honestly, I think the New York Rangers playing Carolina, a team that they've owned, and then the way that they finished the regular season before the pause, I think they have a really good chance. Well, again, I'm being a best of three out of five, and I've done enough of those best three out of fives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in my career, early on, like late late uh, early eighties. Yeah. Uh, that if if Shesterkin gets hot, um, you know, and, and all of a sudden that uh, Carolina can't score goals, then you know the Rangers can be a difference maker. Oh, uh, they can be. They can be really. They can be real trouble. I mean, Carolina um, complained three times already. Brindamore yesterday. So. Are you, a fan of the, yeah. are you a fan of the bracket or the you know the big seating, the big argument that's going on right now? Which which do you which do you prefer, John? Listen, bracketing is for basketball, okay? Yes. Oh, I'm see, you. I'm for the bracket. All no, right. but, but here's the thing. So so I mean, I I, I mean, I, I don't want the bracket to come in because I I don't want the, the league to say, well, we did it once and it really worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean you have ah, to give value okay. to the regular season. Yes. You have to give value to the regular season, no matter what. You, and and if, if I have 110 points and you have 80, and I, I, you, yeah. I should be more, I should be playing the lower seed all the time. You have to do, it. and I think that's what the players want, and I think that's what we'll get. I think that's. See, what but John, if there's a bracket, they might call you up to do a bracket show. Well, <laughs> it's content. Well, no, more content, I know, but you know, I'd rather <laughs> just sit here. This is like Mount Rushmore. You guys sitting here, oh, all, all three of you guys. You know? <laughs> hey, I got the beard, so find I'm behind you. Mind you, at my age, in my basement, I'm still the best dressed. So yeah, you are. I was going to wear a jacket. I was going to wear a jacket. You know, I was. I said, "No, these guys are classy. I'm going to wear a jacket." I'm wearing a brand new T-shirt. I know. I, 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 I put on golf, pants. Two of you on my golf course. Two of you wouldn't be allowed on the course. Right. That's right. That's true. I mean, I put on pants for the show. Anyway, um, yeah. Thank, God Thank you so much, John, for coming on. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, John. Cheers, boys. I mean, as long as I don't hear Russ talking about scouting people. I mean, Russ is always oh, no. that Saturday morning on, on Sirius. If I hear you talking about scouting guys, and you, you, you can take 20 seconds. The guy's got speed. You know, he's got good hands. He's got that hockey. Give me a and what's great about it is it's not repeated like 10 times all weekend. Oh, no, no. Every <laughs> scout. Yeah, every we hear about it. I know. There, you go. Oh, there was one weekend where I heard Russ explain like some bizarre player four times in the car while I was driving around. <laughs> the of the weekend. Well, it, it, he, at least he's consistent. Absolutely. He was always the same. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you, John. Take care. Take care of your family. Cheers. Happy Cheers. hockey. Yeah, happy yep. hockey. We'll see you soon. There's John Shannon. What a fantastic guy. Oh, that was great. <laughs>
Yeah, just I mean, it's so funny. Like, there's so many people in this thing that you run into and that you meet over the years, and it's just like. Well, I, I, I do have to correct him on one thing because mm -hmm. I, was told, I was told this, and he's right, when the, they did the Leaf Post game show on AM640 in Toronto, they did simulcast it with Leafs TV when Leafs TV was starting out. They used to hold me as the last caller because they would per continue to promote my appearances. Oh, my gosh. I was on hold, and then they'd have hold me on to the to the last caller. And the thing was, they had to they had to call me back because at that point, they didn't have an 800 number, and it was running up the running up the toll. You were like Doris on WFAN. That's what you were like. <laughs> yeah, I remember Doris and Rigo Park, so yeah. Yeah, fantastic. No, I mean, that – uh, it's a it's only since the beginning like since i started doing this the one like a lot when i started doing this a lot of guys obviously in the beginning like and in rush you you face the same thing because we were like internet people and in a yeah. mainstream media world and you oh, go yeah, we were kind of like on the side because we were independent oh and look and like scoffed at like they're completely like yes. you know like just like oh you know we'll let anybody in here type thing and da, 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 and you're doing this yep. and and i remember john one time coming to me and it was then i can't say who but somebody who um has a TSN in their Twitter name. Um, huh. Came a very big, mm -hmm. big person, um, big, big, powerful person, um, and you know had just had written me this like nasty, nasty, nasty letter um, about about like an email about like you know, you know what gives you the right to do da, 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 all this stuff. And and I don't, I do want to say this, John was like, it's embarrassing, but he, John came up to me because he heard about it, and we're at the Seneca Farm. He comes up to me and he says. You know, they're all going to be asking you for a job someday. <laughs> and he's like, it was, I'm like, it was so nice. It was like, you know, it was ridiculous. He's like, you're on the cutting edge. What you're doing is fantastic. Keep doing it. Just stay with it. What you're doing is fantastic. This is their future. And they just are afraid of the future. And I was that really like, that really tell you what like, used to incredible, like, an unbelievable thing at the time it happened. And I just, I can never thank yeah, you. That's nice. I'll tell you what used to happen with me when Mark Fisher was in charge of um, credentialing. Every once in a while, he said, especially the first couple of Stanley Cups, somebody would come up to and say, who is Sportsology, that guy? from? What does he do? Yeah, yeah, and Mark yeah. would just say, why don't you ask him? That's, yeah. what, that's what Mark's answer was. Isn't that great? I mean, that's like, there are some people who get it, and there are some people who just, I mean, you know, we were threatening right. people. And I remember, like, a blog, what's a blog? Or, or you know, you're right. tweeting. Even when, when I started tweeting, you're tweeting. And it's like, all those people now tweet, all those people now have blogs. It's like, and it's not like, you know, it was rocket science. I mean, it was just that we, it was a, it was a way to get it to be heard. But, you know, the whole thing was just like, it was nuts. And it was not well, kept the very, very beginning for me when we were just doing prospect information. Um, right. A couple people walked up to us very connected in the industry and said, prospects, why are you doing that? Well, that was the thing. I, 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 if we don't listen to that, we yeah. never would have gone any further. I mean, it was just no, like, no and, and where you and I did it right, you know, was, and I really do believe this is like what you have to have to do. And I tell people this, I get so many emails and you too, too, I'm sure. And Mike, you do too, like about how do you get started in this thing or whatever? How do you do this? How do you get this? And I've always said the same thing. And I've, always, I've used just rest as an example all the time and, and myself. And I'm just like, listen, the only way I got going on this was I found something I could specialize in. That was like I'm going to be a rumor. I'm going to be the rumors guy. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. I'm going to do rumors. And I, I your yeah, that, that was my little spot. I can't carve out. Yep. I can't compete against everybody else, but I can carve out that little thing, you know. And through that, I will be able to get my foot in the door. And I, I did. You know, that's and, and that's with prospects. And right, that's what Russ did with prospects. And with me, it's like I, you know, how many? You're talking 82 games. I started calling Leaf Talk with Andy Frost. Yeah, the, the the father of Morgan Frost, the the, the Flyers uh, right. player, right. uh, in 1997 when Pat Quinn was hired as the as the as the Leafs head coach, or actually 98 when the when Quinn was hired as the Leafs head coach, and called until the show was uh, canceled in 2015. So that was 17 years, and I would say I averaged probably 75 games a season, calling up the show and and you know giving. Yeah. You know, just my my opinion, and it got it it got me to hockey buzz, and it got me where yeah. I am today. So I mean, on you just side note, yeah. On a side note, I watched Pat Quinn lose a game seven to the Rangers yesterday on NHL Network. That was interesting. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, Nathan Lafayette. No, it's just it's just fascinating, and you know, I mean, Kevin Allen obviously was from the beginning really nice and everything. Oh like yeah, that and got it. But you know, it's just like 
but there were some people who didn't like there were and you learn you learned really early on and, and i've since become friends with that person who i talk about who said all that stuff yeah. before and he's accepted me and he's a good guy and all that and i'm not trying to but i'm just saying there was a time when you know our presence was not no was feared you know? I, I, no. I, I i have to say that you know that in general and toronto in canada is the center of the hockey media universe and, yeah. and the center of the hockey universe and i can count on a few fingers the number of people that have been not helpful and nice so yeah it's, yeah yeah, yeah. It's great. now well now give you one little bit of advice i can you may not even know this when i started covering and covering games for sportsology i didn't start in philly i sent somebody else who was local to philly mm -hmm. In New York, so I would get noticed. It wasn't because I grew up a Ranger fan; right. it was because I wanted to go to a big market and let the bigger writers see me, and I wanted to interact with them and learn from them. and And I figured that would be the best way of getting accepted. Yeah, and and also giving you a chance to put like somebody else for sportsology besides yourself makes you look like right. a bigger organization too. It gives yeah. you like that kind of thing too, which is great. I mean, like yeah. we have like had like fifteen different people credential as hockey buzz over the time right. we've been doing this in different cities, and it's really it's enormous. I mean, and that. And, uh, and, you know, early on, we had to fight for everything. And, you know, I mean, I we spent a ton of money. I've told this story before, I think, but I spent a ton of money sponsoring the New York Islanders blog box, which was like, you know, it was it was like a quarter of what I made that whole year um, to spend to sponsor the, the New York Islanders blog box. And what because the Islanders came to me and they said, we have this idea that we want. Um, I remember the blogger box. Yeah. So the yeah. Blogger box was, I had a guy I had, I had a woman who was writing for me in and she was in the press box. The Islanders came to me and they said, we're going to have a blogger box. And I'm like, well, you know, my, you know, my woman is, she's been there for already a couple of years and she's been doing pretty good. And they said, well, we're going to, and I don't want to put it in the blogger box. Cause it's like, you know, that feels like, like they're going to have blogger, the bloggers are going to have like limited access to things. They're going to have like one player, maybe after the game, that kind of thing. And like, that's right. cool. I think it's a great idea, but I said, I'll tell you what, hockey buzz will we'll sponsor it. And it'll be the blogger box sponsored by hockey buzz. And I kept my person in the press box. And, right. and made and you know and made me have that like separation that of like church and state yep. you know, around the time That's that smart. I needed to yeah. have because otherwise you know it, I felt like this could be a trend where all bloggers were suddenly thrown into a different scenario. Well, like, you actually help out bloggers that way because otherwise they may have been marginalized. Well, right. I, and it felt I, like I, this could be like the beginning of like something that could be you go all around the league. And if I didn't separate myself and say like we are not we're mainstream media here. Right. I know, um, I know one, I know one Canadian market, not Toronto, but one Canadian market that is doing that right now. They have a separate press access for bloggers and they won't allow them in, in the, in the locker room. So yeah. And that's, that, that's, that, that's where this was heading and it, it scared me. So I, I said, we got to spend the money on this and we got to make this happen. We got to separate it out and, or else we're going to be taking huge steps backwards, not just for us, but like for all bloggers who are going to be like thrown into that scenario um, in other cities too. So I felt like that was an important moment. Um, yeah. Let, 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 let's let's shift to the the news the news of the day. First thing I wanted to ask Russ about was the Larry Brooks column where it's talking about should Lundquist be the goalie against Carolina because yeah. of his career record. And we talked a little bit about that, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's like I mean I I'm sort of torn here. I think that career record against a team means a lot. But also, you see, you sense that they have shifted to Shashirkin, so I, I don't know where they go there. Well, I, I know, con, you know, conventional thinking says, well, Shashirkin sort of got you there, even though it really didn't because yeah. he got hurt. But he did in a way. He did um, turn the thing around. Did turn it around. So the problem is, is that he's not an NHL playoff proven goalie. He's a KHL proven goalie, right. and so in the playoffs, right? So. I look at that and I say, well, if it were me, but again, I'm not David Quinn and Quinn is stubborn. Right. I would start Lundquist game one because I honestly think that, A, I wouldn't tell anybody who my goalie's going to be. If I were Quinn, right. I'd be like, you know, I'm not sure if it's Lundquist or Sturkin. I'll tell you on game day and I'd be a jerk about it. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now, yeah. if Lundquist were in there for game one, that could be more problematic for Carolina than – Shesterkin now, if Lundquist isn't on his game, obviously it wouldn't be. But if not, the mental edge that the Rangers would have with Lundquist in there, knowing that he has beaten this team handily over since 2011, that's a great mental edge. I don't yeah. think they're going to do that, but I think Lundquist should be in there 
immediately if Shesterkin has any issues because, A, he's still a rookie in this league, and, B, Lundqvist is a playoff-tested goalie. And if yeah. you think Lundqvist has been sitting around on this break because he hasn't played a lot, then you don't know Henrik Lundqvist because yeah. he's ready to go in at a moment's notice because he's a professional. And I think – Shesterkin is going to be healthy. Like that's also he's going to be healthy. This is really this is you don't know how Shesterkin's going to take this, right? Because he's probably never had a disruption in the season like this. He's probably never had a long injury that I could recall yeah. him ever having. Yeah. You know, world junior break aside, he still was playing. This is probably the longest that he's not going to play and then have to start playing again in a different league. And you know, so I, you know, there you can make a good argument about putting Lundqvist in there, and I wouldn't hesitate, but I'm telling you, Quinn is very decisive about this, and so I don't think he will do that, right. but I'm not telling you Quinn's right either. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. I would go with Lundqvist, definitely. I, w- I yeah. would start with Lundqvist just because he is Lundqvist, and he is so good in in, play- in playoff situations and big games. You know, you look at the old Blues team when they had Plant and um, – Yeah. Glenn who's Hall. The other- yeah, Glenn Hall. I mean, those guys were older than Lundquist. I mean, oh yeah, they yeah. Them and they had spectacular years, didn't they? Win the Jennings, Mike. They both yeah, shared the Jennings, awesome. right? To go along, uh, to go along I, that right. I don't think the Jennings was even around at that point, but they okay, made. But I think they may have had the lowest goals against in the West. Well, well yeah, yeah. Too, because like think of it this way too. Like you know, like um, we've seen Lundquist maybe struggle with the Rangers and then step into a step into the Olympics and be unbelievable. Like you know, it, it's like the the I, things change with the goalie. It's like so much of it is this whole mental thing that changes, like the shift that happens now. Like the regular season, any struggles he had and all that stuff in the regular season doesn't mean anything to Lundqvist when he steps back into a playoff game. Now, I mean, it's like yeah. he like suddenly he could he could be amazing. He could he could be terrible, but he could be amazing. And I think that you got to go with the chances of him being amazing pretty high because he's he's shown before. Yeah. He's a big game guy. Yeah, he doesn't look good. You put Shesterkin and you're not really going to lose. I know it's a short series, but I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, and I think it's not going to be. I think it's. I think it still could be a best. I think they still could make that first round best of seven. They, I but they're not going to do that. I mean, not sure. uh, Mike, you know what they're combined goals against was? 2.07. Yeah. Wow. In 60, are we talking 68 or 69? Yeah. 68-69. It was a combined 2.07. So you're you're right. They didn't have the Jennings end, but I – Pretty sure that was the lowest in the league. Pro- probably, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the and the I believe the coach of that team was William Scott Bowman. So you know he had, yep. uh, you know those those two Stanley Cup teams that uh, that got to got to the final or two or three. I think it was yeah. 60, sixty-nine and seventy maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, but, but let's uh, talk about Pindemore for a moment because you saw John sort of groaned and didn't yeah. really want to talk about it. This is the most whining we've ever seen Rod Brindamore do. And sure. is he is he doing that because he believes that? Or is he doing that for the ownership? That's the big question to me. I'm feeling like I'm feeling like he is I'm feeling like the ownership because I, I the, kind felt that they, the kind of owner they have is known as a guy who will call like um Waddell and Brindamore like a hundred times a day. Yeah, and and be like, and it, it, he's very, you know, he and he's a he's a passionate guy, and, and I I think he's good. Oh, yeah. for, I think he's good for the sport too. I actually really do. But yeah. he's also he's definitely going to be the kind of guy who's going to be complaining about something if he feels like he's short shifted here. And yeah. you know, I think that Brindamore has just got to say, I, yeah, because I don't. The other thing I, I think here's the other thing that's that came to my mind, like just I know Brad Brindamore pretty well. Um, one of the guys I've gotten to know over the years pretty well. Is it possible? That he wants his that he wants his team to feel underdogish, like and and that he wants that he's going to go in with this thought because he I think he likes to play he much prefers to play from the underdog. He used to always say the Flyers were a better playoff team when they were an underdog team when he was here. Um, he just I think he I think he doesn't want his team to go in, you know, as a favorite even though they would be because they have you know obviously the better record or what have you. I think he might just be playing it, doing getting an early start on that. I kind of feel like part of that could be happening. It's po- it's possible, but I have to I have to say, and I'll say what I said in 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 our private our private uh, direct message on on Twitter. They're the the Carolina Hurricanes as an organization, their players and now their coach are talking about but like a bunch of crybabies. They they really are. It's like yeah. okay, you, you, so you feel jilted. You voted no against the playoff format because you're playing against a team that you. That owns you, 
too friggin' bad. So yeah, you had to play the team that they were three and zero again. We wouldn't have heard of a right. Exactly. See, yeah, do you, do you do you think the Edmonton Oilers want to play Chicago with a fresh and a completely rested Keenan no. Taves? No, no. no. Chicago is very threatening in this thing. You know, Chicago is yeah, very do, threatening. Do, do and they, they also oh, they also Edmonton Chicago games over the years have just been ridiculous. Like you know, you don't know what's going to happen. That could anything. Right. Happen. It's a no lose for Chicago. Like at this point. Yeah. Chicago fans aren't expecting anything. Edmonton fans are expecting a lot. Edmonton's got everything to lose in that series. Hell, Corey, Corey Crawford could get a new three-year deal based on standing on his head against Edmonton in, 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 the, in the qualifying round because he's a UFA. At I'm going to say two years. Nobody's giving Crawford three. Okay, maybe two. Well, man, man, yeah. Only a because of the discussion. Otherwise, you'd be right. Right. Um, but you're right. I mean, that's, you yeah. know. I mean, when you've seen Carolina, this Carolina Hurricanes team, I mean, you, I go back to the, and somebody brought up the airs, you know, the airs joke you always make, you know, whatever. Um, but I do want to encourage everybody that, in the audience. That game, what that game did show you is a little bit more of like the Rod Brindamore type team, which is yes. a team that plays at its best when everything's against them. And again, that, that I mean, the, 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 the Hurricanes played one of the best defensive games you'll ever see a team play in that game. Um, and, Again, why? Because they had everything against him. I think he really does want to play that up. I, I, I can't. Maybe, and it's, it could be a tactic. I'm just saying that when I'm talking more about the players, I'm talking. He doesn't about play well. In Jordan Martinu coming out in a in a conference call and basically bemoaning the fact that they have to play the Rangers. Well, so, you're the owner who talks to his players too, like which is a little bit more rare, you know. Like he talks. I, to I do him. want to encourage everybody in the audience and in the listening audience. When the Hockey Hall of Fame goes up to check out the David Ayers display there, I think yeah. everybody should go see that. It looks like, pretty amazing. Stop. Um, for Christ's sake, stop. I know, I know. I'll oh, never forget like texting Mike during that game. Um, I know exactly where I was. I'll never forget that. Yeah, I was yeah, there. Was I Russ was and there. I, Russ, and I like, Russ, Russ and I were throwing stuff up on Twitter like, this is the most amazing thing. Like, this is incredible. It was. It was. I mean, like, this is awesome for hockey. What a great thing. And Mike is throwing stuff up like, this is ridiculous. Yep. And I don't blame it because you're in that spot, but it was just it was just such an interesting. I it's, mean, it, it's a great it's a great thing to everybody, but me, Steve Dangle, and and Leaf fans who are embarrassed that they lost to a 42 year old uh, Zamboni. You lost to a fan of your own teams. That was the great story of it. You lost no, an, to employee, an employee. You lost to a person who came to that game hoping for you to win. And then he was wearing up, a Marley's mask. I know. And he's at the game, like to cheer on the team that he's got to play against. That's uh, just one of the great sports stories of our time. Oh, Russ, Russ. Say that again, Russ. You, you broke. No, I said it's one of the great sports stories of our time. Yeah. yeah. It is. And it was just, it was so, it was, I mean, I'm just. For everybody, for everybody other than Toronto fans. Um. Okay. Look, I just have to, I just have to, I just have to. Toronto fans even had to enjoy it, Mike. I mean, come on. No, some did. I mean, there were there were cheers in that there were cheers in that building for him. Sure, because but Ak, those were cheers of Lee fans who were recognizing how pathetic it was that their team, which it was struggling at that point, lost to a Zamboni driver. But wasn't it maybe a little bit of like we know this guy is like a guy who's like oh, it was it was razzing their own team for. Oh, losing I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? Some people are. It didn't hurt your season, so it doesn't matter in that regard. Anyway, um, okay, I, I just I wanted to bring up True. wanted to bring up a couple things. One, yeah. I was on the conference call this morning uh, with some of the Sabers players, and uh, Jack Eichel. Let's just say I don't think you know. We've always talked about you know him running out of patience when it came to the Sabers. I, I think it's getting to that point now because this is the quote from John Vogel. Uh, he was nice enough to type it up because I, I didn't have a chance. I was too shocked. He says, uh, Eichel says, listen, I'm fed up with the losing. It's been a tough couple months. It's been a tough five years. I'm a competitor. I want to win every time I'm on the ice. I want to win the Stanley Cup every time I start the season. He was effusive in his praise of Ralph Kruger. He he didn't say anything about Jason Botterill in terms of what they need to do. But clearly, the chaos in this Sabres organization, players are fed up. And that does not that is not a magnet to bring in talent from outside the organization. And it's gonna to be tough for this team because you know, and, and I'm not blaming Botterill because he inherited a mess from Tim Murray. But it's but the but the fish 
rots from the head down and the head is the pagulas and they have perpetuated this incompetence since they took over this team a decade ago yeah no, no they have and i mean the, the, the reality is that i thought i thought i was never a huge fan of the bottle hiring but i think at the same time what we've seen that they they have he has made some good moves some bad moves the bottom right, line I mean, is, I don't know. He, hasn't done a worse job than Murray. Murray still did a worse job. Yeah, but I he's already better than Murray, you know. I, I don't know what a lot – I mean, other than not giving Skinner the contract and Michael jump on that, other than that, I don't know what else Botterill could have done to well, really make that team better. The, see, this is the thing. They had to overpay Skinner to stay there. He is not you know, an idea. Yeah, he's not a $9 million player. He never was. He's a good player. I like him. How else were you going to make that team better, though, is the question, right? It's Again, it's up to Casey Middlestat when he develops. Sometimes right. it's it's a little bit up to the Sabres. Don't get me wrong. But it's up to Casey Middlestat when he develops. It's just going to be on his own schedule. It's yeah. unfair to think that he is going to pull this team out of the depths. So what is it going to take? It's going to take a lot. It may even take more than what Botterill can do in this one season. Well, I mean, Botterill's facing 11 unrestricted and restricted free agents with arbitration rights. And, you know, the biggest one is Sam Reinhardt. And basically Sam Reinhardt came out, and I don't believe this, but he has to say this. He's like, I, I, I haven't been thinking about my new contract. You know, there's been too many things going on in the world. Bull crap. Of course you're thinking about it because this is your big payday. Right. You need to think you had a two-year bridge deal. You've scored over 20 goals both the years. You're, you're, you've been playing with Eichel. You've put up good numbers. You want to get paid. But yeah. the question is, how can they pay him when Darlene's big payday is on the horizon? They've paid Skinner 9. They've paid Eichel 10. They're paying Oposo 6. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, I don't know how they do it. They probably they could trade Sam Reinhardt. I'll tell you the move that really sunk them. The move that sunk them – was the out drafting Alex Nylander. All the signs were there that he, and I, you know, John can say what he wants about me, but I said it on the show more than once. Mm -hmm. He never gave you a full 60 minutes. He yeah. always, he never even gave you a full shift every time in every minute of every game. When he was locked in, yes, he does have the same talent his brother yeah. has, yeah. but his brother gives you an honest effort for a full game where he doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, that you, know, you know what? You know what? The big, the big influence was there was when William got hurt at the World Junior and Alex took over up the middle, and played yeah. really well for Sweden in the World Junior. That yeah. convinced a lot of people that he was a he was a can't miss. And I think there were a lot of questions. I mean, yeah. Anyway, so um, so but no, but as an example, since I'm looking at it, Sergachev got picked after. Yeah, we're all going to say that would have been tremendous for for the Sabers. And there was a lot of talk about them taking taking Sergachia. Tyson Jost, I still think has better days ahead of him, and he's a pretty good player already. Now Logan Brown hasn't done much. Cloud, you know, McAvoy was taken fourteenth. I still don't understand. I kept saying going into that draft, he was so undervalued and not being talked about and not whatever. And I can't believe he even dropped to Boston. But those are examples of guys that you know they could have gotten. Now. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was the the tweet from uh, – now, I wrote earlier in the week about a couple Leaf uh, players who had been drafted in 2018 and how they had until June the 1st to sign them or they go back in the draft. Uh, Drager tweeted a couple hours ago, uh, expect the NHL and the PA to push back the June 1 signing deadline one month. The league and PA need more time to negotiate the possibility of entry-level players – like Alex Romanoff being allowed to play if and when the 2019-20 season resumes. Now, here, here's the thing. Um, you have one situation like the Leafs with Nick Robertson, who's a 2019 draft pick who was signed, I believe, last summer. Who is this? So he's their draft pick. He was already signed. His year in, in junior ended. You can bring that guy up, but we're talking a completely different thing when we're talking about a – Russian player like Romanov, who was just signed after after the league was shut down, or uh, Kirill Kaprizov, the, the Minnesota draft pick who hasn't been signed yet, if the Wild signed him, are are these teams going to be able to insert them right in the playoffs? I, I mean, I don't think so, but what do you, what do you think? Well, here's where the reason I say they're not, 
and 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 Daly was pretty confident on on the call that that wasn't going to happen. But the reason I would say it, and I know every Habs website that our fan sites are saying, well, there's precedent for it. There's really not because a they did sign him when the league was shut down. Had they signed him in April, it would have been okay. Right. But they signed him May eighth, and and at that point, you're way past it. If they would have signed him like April first, end of March they probably would get away with it. But yeah. this is like way into it already, and there's no way he should be allowed to play because, again, there was no league. I right. don't care. That's where the precedent is there was no league. So you can't just say, well, you know, it's happened in the past. Yeah, that's when there's been fully functioning leagues and everything was going on. So, again, I would say no. These special circumstances, and I know the Habs would love to field a better team than they have to go against Pittsburgh, but no, sorry. Well, yeah. they may not, they may not because, and you know, I'm I'm not criticizing the Canadians and and Max. No, don't, no, no, you gotta try it. No, 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 no. I'm I'm about a different thing. I'm not gonna oh. I'm not criticizing Max Domi and the Montreal Canadiens for being careful with what's going on because of people with pre-existing conditions. But they're saying, well, they if they don't think it's healthy that they're not that Domi is not going to play in the playoffs. If they don't think it's healthy, the league is not playing the playoffs. No, no, no. But it's different, Mike. I mean, it's yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, it's, it's not even. And you know, being a diabetic yourself, it's not even just about being a diabetic. It's about being a diabetic. I remember, again, I'll go back to the 70s when Bobby Clark was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And in those days, they didn't have the insulin that they have now. And he would drink like, I don't know, 15 cans of Coke every break. It was crazy. Keep his blood sugar going. sandwiches, all kinds of stuff. That is a battle that's not as bad now. But then you're also battling the virus. So you're actually... Even if your blood sugar is good, you are still way more susceptible than the average hockey player. I don't yeah. blame him. And honestly, I think it's 50-50 that he plays. And I think there will be other players like this yeah. that all of a sudden say, you know what? I may not be able to play because I've yeah. consulted the position and they don't think it's safe for me. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do something a little different if you guys, unless you guys have anything big you wanted to talk about for a second. I have uh, the, on, the only other thing that I think we should mention is um, after a few days of confusion, uh, they did announce uh, that Alex Ovechkin and David Pasternak yeah. won won the won the uh, the Rocket Richard and that Drysaitel was named the uh, our of roster winner because there was a, some confusion. Of, well, is the regular season over with or is it? With the regular season's over with, so it's right to announce those. But there's still this gray area about the stats for the qualifying round and whether they're going to count towards yeah. the contracts or the games played are going to count towards contractual situations like group six free agency. I mean, all these things have to be determined and probably will be by the PA and the NHL over the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no question. The fans don't care about that. No, I mean, no. They, 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 but it, is, it does matter, obviously. But I think that. I, th I think that I think they'll come up with a solution. I, I it'll be. Yeah. I would I would guess it'll either be prorated like we talked about before, or you'll have some kind of like you know compromise where half the bonus is paid or something like if it's like or 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 a team might just pay a team might just pay the bonus and say you know we think we as, as a good faith gesture. It could be that too. You could see that. All um, right, I'm doing breaking news. Up. Go ahead. So it looks like in the Fan Choice Awards for the NHL. It's down to Chance, Gritty, Slapshot, and Iceberg. I will say right off the bat, if you think I have hatred for Gritty, it's <laughs> double for Iceberg and that stinking drama. Especially yeah, no, during we've been talking about that drama a couple times. He would stand next to us during the Stanley Cup, right? And we would like, get so mad. Directly next oh, to so us. Hold on. Thankfully, Iceberg only has 4%. Chance is winning at 28%. Gritty is in trouble. All, all, I know, all I know, all I know, Eck, is that when I went to the media day for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Nashville Stanley Cup final, yeah. I was praying that I would run into Iceberg in the hallway because I had, I, I had a weapon of some sort. Right <laughs> <in the crowd. laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say what kind of weapon? Was. I had a weapon. No, I mean, Chance, Chance has 28 percent of the vote. Gritty is 24. Slapshot's got five, and Iceberg's got four. So they're essentially out of it. But Chance, by the way, I don't even know. Chance is the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I wouldn't oh. have known it if you. He's, if you a, he's a, um, a Gilda monster. Yeah, yeah, he's he is, and Gilda monster, and a Gila monster out in the wild. Actually, if we're going to go back to that game, Eck, very mm -hmm. dangerous. 
Extremely dangerous. No, they're they're the only poisonous, venomous. Um, I they spit at you. You could you could die. They, and they they eat they eat twenty eight percent of their body weight every time they eat. They're they're crazy animals. Yes, they they're are crazy. They're in Indonesia and places like that, right? No, they're they're in they're in Arizona. Um, Arizona. Oh wow. They're in the desert. They are in the desert. There's big rules about. There's big laws about this. I'm, I have a, I have a son who's like a zoology. Yeah, yeah. So I've watched I've watched I watched a do- honestly I swear to God a documentary on Gila monsters last night. Just completely coincidental. <laughs> um, it was. We actually literally did. And I so I know a lot about them. Like so they they, they captured one from the a, a guy's pool in his backyard. And there's a rule yeah. in Arizona when you take it from the pool, you have to like. You have to um, you have to release it within a quarter mile of, of where it was originally from, where you know where where you find it. So, but yeah, they put them in the and they 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 only eat eggs of other animals. They're, they're pretty evil. I mean, they're going out there like they're destroying. You know, they are in Indonesia too. Ek. They are okay. Yeah, I mean the one there are different, definitely you know, different species. There's a few different types, but yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: if gritty loses this, this is a big loss for gritty. Yeah, I mean, Gritty this has like, a bad off season for Gritty if he loses it because Gritty has not only lost his stage, he has gotten to the point where he has a talk show where he's only holding up cue cards. And now, if he loses this, he may lose his show. Yeah, yeah uh, Gritty, Gritty's very polarizing. He's a very polarizing mascot. Yeah, I think- told Sedina in the chat, I have to give him a tip of the hat here. He said, my, my, <laughs> Mike's favorite, Mike's leaf mascot is Airs the Orangutan. Wow. Oh. Does I'm I'm surprised he didn't say that he wears gray. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. All right, not that not that that's not important news, Russ. But I'm going to show you something else here. Um, <laughs> okay, so another thing I was watching last night is a show called How It's Made. I don't know if you guys are ever familiar with How It's Made at all. I've watched it. I haven't watched them all, but I've watched a few. There's a ton of them, and they're really good. It's it's actually made out of Canada. So last night is it was How It's Made skating rinks. And I'm watching this, and I'm and it was kind of interesting to me because I was like, okay, I know this, and it turns out that it's the Bell Center, right? So right. I'm watching this thing, and, and I'm like, okay, so this is, you know, they, and I didn't. First of all, a couple of things I didn't realize, and I'll just as I just showing this. One, I did not realize that the ice, that they actually, you know, they actually have ice with a special kind of powdered white stuff that is so that 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 melts that goes ice. So they're not like I always kind of assume they're painting under. Oh, I didn't know that either. I always assumed it was painted underneath the ice. The ice was laid on top. That's not the case yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the case at all. And as you see oh. here, what the guy's doing here is they lay strings down for the blue lines. And um, and then this guy, this is the, literally how they do face-off. Oh, so that's how they measure it. They're painting a face-off circle here. So this is what they literally do. They put a, they put a thing, a string in the middle there, and a guy goes around and paints the, this is a, they're, they're painting a circle here. You'll see this, like, this is the, this is the face-off circle. And this right. is crazy. Like, this is, I mean, I thought that this was all done very but different. This they only have to do once a season, right? And it just right. Look stays at this. there with boards over it. This is amazing. I didn't know this. Well, I had no idea. They painted directly onto there, and then they do, and then they do more ice on top of the on top of that. But they actually paint the ice right. itself. I that didn't know that. Powder I probably accidentally step on the on the red there and smear the paint. Right now, here's like the crease is like sketched out from this thing, yeah. and then drawn on top of the ice as well, and painted, you know. Painted by hand, like this. I never kind of thought this is the way it was. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was. I, I wish I, could, I wish I could pay them to leave out the trapezoid. Yeah, right, right. I mean, exactly. So this is like they're painting between. They have two strings. They 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 hang uh, on the blue line that go all the way across. And um, I'm going to look now and see if I can see these strings. They're like blue strings, and then they paint. I mean, not for nothing. Wouldn't wouldn't like we're, we're in the world of wraps, right? Where you could wrap a car and wrap. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that that would go down so much quicker and you just freeze over that? Yeah. That's what I was thinking too, that this is how they do the logo, which is like a, it's like yeah. an actual, like, um, you know, it doesn't really show it very clearly here how they do it, but you know, this is, it, it, it paints down and somehow, you know, I don't know somehow this works, but this is, it's just, it's really, I never realized, so it's, I always assumed that they painted below the ice and that they just, it's, but this is actually. So you know what it is. It's like tracing paper. It's like tracing paper, what they're doing with the logo. Because I used to work with tracing paper. My dad was a printer. So, okay, I get it. So this is actually painted on the ice. And then they put another, another like quarter inch of water above that. But it's weird because wouldn't you think that if this happened, like if the ice was bad, like on the blue line, and someone would skate through or what have you, that the ice would, that you know, the part of the blue would like chip off and go someplace else. Like, So here's the bigger question. Here's the bigger question, Nick. So the one time that the Sixers couldn't play because someone didn't turn the thermostat up and and there was condensation <clears throat> on the basketball floor. Was the ice in danger of having that part of it screwed up 
where they'd have to repaint it again. I kind of think it would have been. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's like it, they it, didn't get to it as quick as they did. Meaning, yeah, it's just so. I mean, I always when I in the back, you know, like I put a white tarp down um, and then put water on top of it. Um, and the way I'm not sure we should use you as an example. No, but I'm just saying this is the way I do my rink because if this is the case, because the biggest problem with my with an outdoor rink is when leaves will fall onto the surface of the ice, and then a, a dark leaf. Like why you have a white surface is so that no sun is so the sun isn't heating up. So if a, right. a dark leaf will fall onto the ice, the sun in the more it will just burn a whole leaf size exactly. Into, oh God. To the ground, like if, if you have like a six inch six inch ice, you'll just have a six inch leaf side leaf shaped thing that'll just burn the sun, hits the leaf, and burns that down. So, if I knew that I could actually use water and special like powdered stuff at the same time, I would be bet it would be a lot better. So it's just it was interesting. I was like I, I as a hockey person, I found this astonishing that this is how they did it. Like I just always yeah yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested. I, I I'm gonna have to watch it. I had no idea. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So anyway, Mike, you have any comments on this at all? You've been very quiet. No, <laughs> Mike, you made a face when you looked at your phone. I figured there no, was something. No, it, was a, it was a it was a comment. Uh, the, the obviously I have, you know, uh, the 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 show took precedence, but there were still more player uh, uh, exit interviews going on with the Sabers and Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah, uh, said Buffalo has a bright future, but we've been saying bright future for seven years. Ooh. On Ralph oh. Kruger, he says he's the coach we needed here in Buffalo. I wish he would have come here a few years ago. I think that's the general feeling of that. So, sort of a veiled shot at Phil Housley there. Oh, uh, not a veiled shot. I, I think Housley did hurt Ristolainen's development. I do, yeah. and I don't think he did it on purpose. I don't want to say like you know Housley ruined the kid, but I do think that there's something to it. Mike and I even talked about this off air. I mean, for the few Sabres games that I've covered this year. I could tell that the players really like Kruger. Kruger's yeah. very good with the media. He yeah. doesn't go too high, doesn't go too low. He's one of those guys. Yeah. And I could see Pagula liking that because at least he knows this guy's not going to fly off the handle and he's not going to, you know, berate players into, you know, and it affects their performance. Because Ristolainen, he was going to be one more season away from maybe being ruined. And, and he's right. back to being a pretty good player again. Whether he gets traded or not, who the hell knows? But I, you know, that's a good comment. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, what I what's interesting about Kruger and what you didn't get with Housley is whenever you hire a coach that's been an assistant coach but never really a head coach before, um, you don't know what kind of coach that is, and you don't, and and by saying that, there there really are coaches that are better with certain kinds of teams. You know, like uh, coaches that are better with very young teams, coaches that are better with teams that are about to win something, coaches that are, you know they're better with teams that have just won something but are in rebuilding. There's all these different kinds of coaches and we and you know you're really taking a shot in the dark when you go with a coach who's never coached before with a team like the Buffalo Sabres which is an obvious team that's in like a rebuild and you know needing to get better not you're not trying to take it to the next level and I think Kruger is definitely is definitely the perfect guy for that because he you know he is very good at getting a lot out of players I mean just look people forget like the the team Europe thing at the World Cup of Hockey yeah that he coached that team Europe to this to the to the gold medal game remember against Canada um, which was astonishing. Like that, that team had no right to be in that gold medal game against Canada. Um, but the pl the players on that team, they loved him. I and mean, I was covering that tournament. I was like, this guy, this guy needs to be an NHL coach because he's just he's really that good. Um, so it was, it was no question that he they 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 have the, they have the right guy. And I think taking chances on younger coaches. And I think the Flyers faced a little bit with this ha with Hackstall, the same kind of thing. It's like you yeah, just, but, but I mean, all that being said, and all the support that Kruger is getting. If this organization doesn't make some changes to improve themselves dramatically over the next 12 months, then both Kruger and Botterill could be out of a job because the the the, the, sure. the, the Pagulas do not have exactly have a long fuse. Uh, the, it, with the with the with the with the Bills, they found the right coach and the right general manager and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They have not had su success with the Sabers. They're running into financial situation. Uh, 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 situations with the Sabres losing a lot of money and the fan base is frustrated to the point that uh, a fan put the team for, for sale on Craigslist yesterday. <laughs> you know, stuff like stuff like that. It's funny, but it's also a commentary on the frustration of a fan base that is a great fan base. Well, of course. I mean, you how, want to how, could, how could they not be frustrated at this point? You know, like how could yeah. they, they, they've, they've been in the playoffs for a very long time, you know, and it's, it's I like, do want to mention something quick here. Yeah. Um, I had done a show earlier with um, with Jeff Merrick, and we were talking about the draft. And 
I was saying that one or two companies had dropped Quinton Byfield from the number two spot. And I think they were just looking to do it. And the last time I had a problem with a company doing it is the same problem with I had the company this time with ISS Hockey dropping him to fourth. And, you know, of course, fans are asking him, why would you do that? And they're like, well, we have 99 reports. It doesn't matter if you have 100 reports. You're going to be wrong. Now, whether that's what you believe, that's fine. You could you could believe what you want, but I can't believe that there won't be at least 30 DMs that would draft him in that spot. You might find one that would take Tim Stutzel or one of the other kids, but every other GM is going to want to get Quentin Byfield, a big centerman, in that spot. Oh, yeah. And it's like, come on, guys. I mean, you know, I just – I had to say something because it, it's just it, – Yeah, that, that feels like just – you know, I don't know. It's, 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 it's picking up because the draft's now months away. Yeah. So now we're going to start seeing more of this, I'm, I'm afraid. It's almost clickbaity, though, I have to say. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, Davey Jones in the chat asked the Sabre question for me. He says, do you think Dylan Cousins will be in the Sabres lineup next year? That's the same formula they fought. And, and granted, Casey Middlestat and Dylan Cousins are two different players. But they rushed Middlestat after one year in college. They said, you're the number two center, and I think it hurt his development by putting him in the NHL. Cousins had a great year with Lethbridge, 85 points. He's a yeah. bigger kid, but I, you, you don't want to rush these guys. I mean, the problem is he's one of, the, he's one of these tweeners, Russ. He's 19. He, he doesn't turn 20 until February of next year, so he can't go to the American Hockey League, and there might not be an American Hockey League to play in, let alone. And, and you know, and the longer you're out of the playoffs – the more things like That's that get really hard to do. Now, yeah. I, I could see them having him play with the team if all those leagues we're talking about are delayed yeah. for three months. Right. Then they're going to let him be a part of the team early on so he gets in some games and then possibly send him back after that. But at the end of the day, I say I look at the Kirby Dot situation with Chicago. Yeah. He played 64 games. He had 23 points. He had eight goals. He used to scoring seventy points a year in other leagues. Is that yeah. beneficial because he's getting the experience, or was that a frustrating year for a kid? I think it's yeah. a toss up. I do. Yeah. It, it depends on the kid, honestly. It depends, it depends it on the kid. some kids, like you know, like Dylan Larkin came in and, and didn't score the kind of points he's used to scoring either. But it didn't matter. You knew like he sure. was he was you know some and Couturier same kind of thing, right? Couturier was a scorer in juniors, but comes in and just you know accepts a role and, and it doesn't matter where. This year, I think it really did matter with like Morgan Frost, for example, or players like, you know, um, or Farabee in Philly, like these guys who didn't score the points they're used to getting, and it did matter. Um, so it does matter for some kinds of players. My my worry about Cousins, he's got a pro shot, right? Like he dominated yeah. junior hockey, but as a big guy in junior hockey, he definitely could take some liberties to get some of his goals. He's still one hundred eighty something pounds yeah. at six foot three, and. So I get it. There's guys, you know, everybody could say, well, Russ, now you're telling me he can't play at one at 185 when you're telling me that this other guy, you know, like Sam Jarker play at 155. The problem is the guys that Dylan Cousins is going to go up against to get into the scoring areas that he needs to get into score are yeah. going to outweigh him by 20, 25 pounds. And yeah. that is an issue. And because yeah. of their because of their needs, the Sabres clearly want him to be a center, but because he's only 185 pounds. And we talked about this when he was drafted, Russ. There's a lot of people out there that thought he was an NHL winger and not a center. They right. they they don't want to go down that road. But to, right. for a 19 year old kid who's not a big kid, you may if for self preservation they may have to put him at the wing if they need to start him in the NHL. True, true, good point, good point. All right, guys, all the time we have for today. Um, I want to thank again John Shannon for joining us. That was so John much was fun. Awesome. He's hilarious. We got to get him on again. Yeah, um, such a good personality. Such a good personality, and just so no doubt about it. And that, like, just uh, you know, it's 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 interesting because people at his level are not that way. I just I'm not. I'm, some of them are really nice. Some of them are really nice people, but they aren't able to like you. You don't you don't feel big timed by John Shannon. And he's been like the like you said, Rusty, executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, he's like a big guy. Of course, I guy. I had to pick the one year he wasn't high the executive producer right. in Canada. No, but um, yeah, he was he was fantastic. That was great to see. Um, he gets it. He get, he really does get it. All right, have a um, safe have a safe. Fun. We'll be back again tomorrow. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Talk to you very soon. Stay safe, everyone.